0: One real negative that's come out of this, there's been some real positives you know, in terms of productivity and that kind of thing, is, um, surprises like that from uh, the remote work experiment. But there's been some negatives and one of the big negatives is burnout. Uh, people are burned out and people, the workloads a lot of times didn't let up, uh, but you know, adapting to a remote work environment, you, know, you just have to do things a little differently. Um, than you
1: did when you are in an office. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook at Good Morning HR Podcast. Over the last year, many leaders have been wondering when business will get back to normal. But now, the fact that a large portion of the population have yet to get vaccinated and the resurgence of COVID 19 through the uh, Delta variant have many leaders wondering what's next and what their workplaces will look like next month and in the year to come. My guest today says that although the new normal is a moving target, there are many things that business leaders can do to maintain an agile and productive workforce. Steve Pegler is Senior Vice President of the Whitney Smith Company and is an HR consultant based in Austin with more than 25 years of strategic and tactical human resources experience in all sorts of industries, both public and private. He's also my social media doppelganger. Facebook often suggests his name when I go to tag myself in a photo. You're just a really handsome fellow, Steve. Welcome to Good Morning HR. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to be here.
1: Let's start with your own pandemic workplace experience. What changed for you personally, professionally, uh, since March of last year? Well, Mike, uh, a lot
0: has changed for me. I um, actually relocated from Fort Worth to Austin in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I'm living proof uh, that uh, remote work can work uh, and can work very effectively. Um, so the story behind that, uh, is that my wife landed her dream job down here in Austin, um, right in the middle of the pandemic. And of course I have got to tag along. So we up and moved last summer and, um, uh, and, uh, my firm had obviously been, we'd all been working remotely since it all started last March, um, and had been very, very effectively, Um, managing the whole process. We'd been very productive individually. Actually, I I really think we were more productive working remotely than we we had been uh, in the office team environment before um, in a lot of ways. And that's my personal opinion, but um, uh, I really didn't miss a beat when I moved to Austin and was able to serve my clients uh, just as effectively as I had before um, uh, to in in a, in sort of a new world that we were all operating in. Um, You know, fortunately we have the technology to do it now. I'm not so sure this would have worked out just five years ago, but uh, uh, anyway,
1: that's my story. Yeah. And and if if you can't live in Fort Worth, Austin is like a second best. It's like Fort Worth with three times the traffic. So it's, and you know, it's not, it's not too bad. Good Good music. Good music. Yeah. Uh, So, on the professional side, you talk to as many employers probably as I do in all kinds of industries every day. What are you hearing from them? What's the consensus about whether they, they're ready to return to work, workplaces full-time or part-time or hybrid? What, 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 are, what are employers telling you? Well, um, you know, it's a real moving target. It seemed like about a month
0: ago that we were just about to have all this behind us. And most of my clients had either already uh, brought people back to the office, most of the people back to the office, or were planning to in the very near future. And a lot of people are throwing on the brakes on that. Um, with the Delta variant, uh, You know, people are definitely more freaked out now. And so we're seeing um, a lot, well, we're getting a lot of questions about um, you know, changing plans and how to, how to uh, implement uh, a rapid uh, change in plans and return to work. So, um, you know, and then, of course, we have the, the vaccine controversies and that kind of thing. And, and it's, it's, it is absolutely not settling down. It's getting, um, unfortunately, uh, in a lot of ways, more complicated than ever. Um, and it's been complicated for a while, as you know. Uh, going back to March of 2020.
1: Yeah uh, not only do we have delta variant, we've also got an, uh, uh, some sort of surge with RSV out there and, and that's a, a whole nother illness that we don't have a vaccine for that seems to be affecting a lot of people and we're not even in flu season yet and so when yeah. kids go back to school and all of that it's going to be yeah. an interesting it's going to be an interesting uh, few months. What are you telling clients as, as they come to you and say, okay, we've got these concerns, we've got these employees with these concerns, but, you know, we're trying to decide, you know, are people more productive in-house? You said you were, uh, you felt like uh, Whitney Smith Company was just as productive with everybody remote. And, and certainly we feel that way at Imperative. Uh, all, by all our measures, our productivity is higher. But um, what are you telling clients and as, as they begin to try to figure that out? Well, uh, and, and there there's a lot to talk about uh, with
0: regard to that topic i mean there you know not every job uh, is is or was or will be set up to do remotely um you know if you're manufacturing a product chances are you're not going to be able to do that at home versus be, having to be in a facility to do that so we've always known that that that's always been an issue but there have been you know they've identified you uh, Probably 60% of all jobs can be done at least partially remotely, uh, you know, and that was going into the pandemic. And I think we've now seen that it could be more than that. Um, the, the whole concept of remote work, it is really here to stay. We're, we're even seeing, uh, we're seeing quite a bit of resistance actually among employee groups to going back to the office. Uh, because the genie is really kind of out of the bottle. Um, We've all sort of proven that this is doable on some level. There's advantages and disadvantages, and we can talk about those. But for the most part, um, for a company to to successfully argue that, gosh, you know, we did this for a while, we need everybody back now. Um, You know, that's just, they can certainly do that. That's a company's right to, to, to demand that or to request that. But a big problem is that, uh, again, people know, they've, been, they've seen the other side. And frankly, a lot of people like this, this new remote option, if there is one. Um, and so what I believe is going to happen and what experts out there are saying based on research and, and what my clients are, are showing me is that this is here to stay in some fashion. Um, and it's probably going to be in some sort of hybrid, hybrid format.
1: Okay. So you're talking to employers, of you know, that's short-term stuff about what they're going to do about COVID and, and returning to the workplace. Uh, I keep saying returning to work. It's not like we weren't all working extra over the last 18 months, but returning to the workplace. But what do you think the future of work is going to be like now that we've figured out that some of these jobs can be done remote at least some percentage of the time? What do you think the demands of employees demands of employers, how do you think that's going to shake out to change how we how we work, uh, at least for white-collar jobs?
0: Yeah, uh, again, just the dynamic involving the hybrid environment, which I believe is going to be around for a very long time, probably permanently. Um, the technology that we are using now, it's just going to improve. And the ways, and, and as I said at the outset, I don't think we could have done this five years ago, very successfully. Um, so I don't know what that would have looked like, but going forward, the technology that we're able to communicate, use to communicate, which is, you know, at the center of, of organizational health um, is good communication internally. It's only going to get better. And I found that just during this past year and a half, my ability to communicate with my team, um, just using the technology that's available now is excellent. And that's only going to improve. So further out, looking out long-term, I really believe that that's only going to get better. Um, and, and again, communication is, is at the core of organizational health. So, um, you know, these open channels of, uh, of communication that we, that we've got to have in every organization, um, that's only going to get better, or at least the ability to do that's going to get better. Um, the, you know, as far as, uh, as, as how employers may manage a workforce, uh, into the future, you know, this is the, the whole COVID, uh, event is a defining moment, uh, in, uh, in, in the workplace, certainly, obviously in all of our lives, but, um, you know, and just how we get work done, we're not going to go back to thinking the way we thought before. And so what the, you know, the distant future looks like, I can't predict it, but, um, you know, things have changed permanently, and our outlook has changed permanently, um, whether we like it or not. And so I threw a lot of information at you there, but uh <laughs> Hopefully that answers your question. So,
1: well, back when you and I were starting our careers uh, a few years ago, uh, there was that there was a really popular concept of management by walking around, mm-hmm. and I think we've spent a good part of our our careers trying to talk employers out of that process, out of that being their primary employee management tool. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of organizations that aren't ready to give that up, or a lot of managers who've relied on that crutch. Rather than than uh, using other tools to manage their employees, what would you say to a manager who's who says, "If if if I can't see my employees, how do I know that they're productive?"
0: Well, I, I think that relates directly to the idea of trust, and that's the bottom line to the success of this whole experiment we're in um, is trust. You know, and I would argue if. If you feel you need to see your employees to know if they're working, um, you know, I I get it that it's sort of a newer concept and a newer idea and dynamic, but it's something that it relates directly to trust. And if you don't trust your employees, I would ask why you hired them in the first place. So because they were the cheapest thing I could find, the cheapest thing. And I know, you, you know, you've you've been doing this for a while. You you're probably probably not you know, meeting with your people um, every day or maybe every week. I'm not sure, but, uh, um, but you're obviously, you know, you've got a great organization that's working. uh, And, and so your folks must be doing something right. And you're not seeing them every day. So, um, you know, you're living proof of that. And our firm is too. And, um, and it, it comes down to trust. And it's the whole management by walking around. Sure. You know, that's, but that also kind of the first thing that pops in my mind, when you use that, that phrase is micromanagement and nobody likes that. And, and it, and it relates, you know, back to the whole topic of communication uh, and the technology we have, uh, you want to be able to communicate uh, with your team if they're working remotely and the more communication you have, the more effective you're, everything's going to be. And so But also, you could probably micromanage somebody remotely too. So, really, you don't have to be in the same room. Um, Trust your employees. That's what I tell
1: my clients. And it's a balance between what you were talking about before clear communication, two way communication on a consistent basis, and trusting your employees when you're not, you know, you don't have them face to face in person or on Zoom. Like our team, you know, we've my senior team and I for, years and years have had a 90-minute meeting every Friday where we go through key metrics and, and discuss challenges we're facing and resolve issues. We're doing that via Zoom, and it has we haven't missed a beat. But I know if they're doing that, and I have a one-to-one with each of them during the week where we can talk about their personal performance or any challenges personally uh, you know, related to their role that they're facing, and we knock those out. And I think as a leader... Um, that's my role is to make sure that they're effective and that they've got what they need to, to do their job. And then, you know, and so that's 90 minutes plus an hour for each one, two and a half hours out of 40 plus uh, each week. I I have to trust them to get everything else done, but I've got great metrics and systems in place. So I know, you know, you know, we can, we've got high accountability and I know that they're getting things done uh, and they're meeting their commitments. So I think building building those systems where you can measure right performance and you know you're on track exactly
0: yeah well not everybody has that though you know you do but you're probably in the minority unfortunately so um, but you know more people that could do that you'd have more effective organizations so
1: yeah and you know and I think also you know you may have a different opinion but you know recognizing that. During COVID, but also even post COVID, if we ever get to something like that. You know, things you know, employees, in fact, I, I published the, a blog article for Texas Sherm talking about that we need to stop using the term manager and managing employees. You can manage a process, you can manage a piece of code, you can manage things to get a predictable outcome. But when you're talking about people, people are messy and you're never going to get a uh, you're never going to manage people you know you may try to change behavior you may incentivize but those outcomes are not predictable and i think we need to get back to that idea of managers as coaches and uh facilitators what do you well, think about that
0: and i i rarely i actually rarely use the term manager anymore i use the term leader <laughs> yeah. um you know and 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 for that reason really and uh
1: uh, you know, I agree with you 100. I always, I used to say the the term "hiring manager" was usually an oxymoron because they would never get around to hiring somebody, and once they did, they would never actually manage them. Right. And uh, and they were just a, uh, you know, it was just mm-hmm. we had the wrong person in the wrong job too often. And I think that's yep. really becoming apparent uh, in in this world where to get in, you know really engaged employees, you've got to be able to have. Have, have the right people to, to lead them.
0: Well, and, and some of the more, you know, cutting edge organizational design structures, I mean, they're, they're flat organizations and, and you really don't even have somebody in that old manager role, um, you know, and, and I would argue everybody can be a leader or should be a leader in some fashion. Um, but using that term, you know, that, you know, more I think about it, that may be something that we, down the road, we don't use that term anymore. So, um, but, but we're not there yet. I mean, we're not there yet. Uh, you know, you're
1: either a individual contributor or you're a manager in a lot of places. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit GoodMorningHR.com and click on Recert Credits. Then, select Episode 3 and enter the keyword Pegler, P-E-G-L-A-R. Next Thursday, August 26, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled Strategy, Execution, and the Art of Saying No. This webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM-certified professionals and one hour of business recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this program after August 26, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit. Again, that's at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Steve Pegler. On the COVID front, um, I, I'm, I'm sure you're getting them. I'm getting questions, you know, to ensure a safe workplace. Um, should we be mandating that all our employees who are returning to the workplace be vaccinated? What, do you, what, what are your, what's your take on that? Well, uh, first of all, it is, you know,
0: I'm not an attorney, but, but the legal experts are saying that um, you can require that. And, I personally would, if I were in the position to uh, to to mandate that. Um, you know, I have some clients that are. I have a lot of clients that aren't. A lot of clients that probably want to, and they realize how controversial all that is. Um, for whatever reason, I don't quite understand why it's so controversial, but it is. And so, um, you know, what I try to tell clients is: look, you have a duty under for example, the OSHA general duty clause, that kind of thing, where you have to have a safe, provide a safe workplace for your employees, period. So, um, you know, vaccines are scientifically proven to work, and that's what I believe. And, and if it's my organization, um, I can require it as a condition of employment that you're vaccinated, but you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, your other organizations certainly don't have to do that. Uh, but you got to keep your people safe. And, you know, early on in the pandemic before, and I, and yes, I've gotten these kind of questions for, since this all started early on, there was a lot of, you know, it was all about, do you have hand sanitizer at the front desk? Do you have, um, does everyone wear a mask? Do, do you know, are you social distancing? There was all those other things, all the other protocols before we ever had a vaccine. Um, so, they had to do that then, you know, that was the best practice we had at the time. Well, now I would consider the best practice an actual vaccination um, and you can require it. Yes, you can, um, but it's up to you whether or not you do that. And then once you do require it, how are you gonna prove it? Um, I've got clients that are asking to see vaccination cards and you can do that mm-hmm. as long as you don't really get ask any more questions beyond that fact. Um, so, so, the, you know, employers have leeway. It's just, there's just a lot of confusion out there, um, about this. So, and
1: just to, you know, give everybody a reminder and, uh, ADA HIPAA type reminder about if, if you get a copy of somebody's, uh, vaccination card, should you just throw that in the employee file? No, no,
0: you, you know, and we've recommended for years <laughs> pre COVID, um, you know, if ideally you have a, a whole separate uh, file with any sort of confidential information like that, and you have, uh, you know, as far as HIPAA, and I'm certainly no HIPAA expert, but you do, if you have access to protected medical and protected health information as an employer, you got to make sure that that's actually protected. So, um, no, don't throw it. not don't,
1: don't throw it in the personnel file. Yeah, and. What about other screening? Are you seeing many employers continue to do some sort of symptom screening as people enter the workplace or any other kind of protocols like that? I know some counties are requiring, you know, have gone back to mask mandates. I think Travis County, where you're at, has done that. Yeah, that's true. And
0: um, the symptom screening, I don't hear nearly as much about that. And I, frankly, I haven't gone out and visited as many clients Naturally, uh, as I used to, um, you know, even even earlier on in the pandemic, I, I was seeing, uh, you know, what people were doing a little more. But but it's, um, you know, some people still do it, uh, others don't. But again, the bottom line is
1: doing whatever you can to keep a safe workplace. And beyond the pandemic, I mean, I think we're seeing other changes in the in the workplaces as well. I mean. Uh... Everything that happened after uh, George Floyd's murder last May 25th uh, has, you know, brought a lot of awareness to uh, workplaces about DEI issues and the importance of of being more than just performative in how we address those issues. What do you think the workplace is going to look like on that front going forward? It's a good question.
0: We, you know, we actually, in my firm, we had. Uh, you know we obviously noticed all this last year when it was really ramping up and we actually we've done diversity training for years but um, it everything went to the went to the next level this past year. We actually created a really deep dive program uh, in um, uh, for diversity and, and equity and inclusion that, I mean, incorporated things that may not have been in there before, like anti-racism, specific anti-racism training. So um, it's really, really ramped up. It's interesting because um, there's obviously no shortage of HR topics or issues that that are popping up all the time. That that whole dynamic really kind of um, it kind of settled down for a while. And now it's back, We've had, I've had more inquiries lately into you know, what can you do for us in terms of uh, DEI training and, uh, and program implementation lately than I had in the previous three or four months. I don't know why, um, I mean, it's good, I'm glad to, to hear that. Uh, and I don't know what's, what's behind that necessarily, but, um, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sort of uh, has kind of cycled a little bit. Uh, but I think moving forward, I mean, it, that is a topic that's going to be at the forefront in general for the foreseeable future. And it should be.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of employers during COVID, we were aware of that uh, and all that was going on with PLM uh, protests and the, and the conversation around all of those things in the workplace. But we weren't hiring people. There as much during the, certainly my, my background check backlog back then was uh, was pretty light. Um, we weren't hiring as many people, so it wasn't something we were thinking about. And as ever, we waited till now we're hiring a crap ton of people and we're all running around trying to find candidates. And uh, And we're at the same time thinking, oh yeah, we should be doing something to make sure we're being more uh, equitable and, and uh fair in how we recruit and select uh employees and now they're we're driving down the highway trying to change the tires on the car trying to figure some of that out right Is that what you yeah and so yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm sure you're seeing most of your employers hiring a lot more than they were a while back yeah
0: i mean nobody was hiring for a
1: long time
0: and now it's and it depends on the industry it depends on the organization but but yeah, there's uh, has really ramped up uh, and the folks that do recruiting in, in our firm are a lot busier now than, than I believe they were, you know, last fall.
1: And I'm reading that this is even, you know, well into the future. This is going to be an issue challenge. getting Getting the right talent on board is going to be harder and harder just because of the demographics of. Uh, the number of available workers is, seems to be continuing to decline. Right. You know, and, and a lot of this really, and you've probably, you and
0: a lot of people listening to this have probably heard about the uh, anticipated turnover tsunami that's mm. coming out of uh, out of the, the post-COVID, whenever post-COVID happens, uh, world. And it's true. It's really happening. And so we're seeing uh, a lot of people... You know, moving on, we're seeing, um, you know, organizations trying to backfill those roles. And, uh, uh, you know, th- one real negative that's come out of this, there's been some real positives, you know, in terms of productivity and that kind of thing, Is um, surprises like that from uh, the remote work experiment. But there's been some negatives. And one of the big negatives is burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, are burned out and people, the workloads a lot of times didn't let up. Um, But, you know, adapting to a remote work environment, you know, you just have to do things a little differently um, than you did when you're in an office. Uh, And it takes a lot of times more energy. It takes uh, a different thought process, a different work style. And as a result, you know, cumulatively, here we are with a lot of people really burned out and looking for something else. You got people dropping out of the workforce. Um, So all the stories you're hearing out there uh, and probably have heard, uh, you know, I've seen it play out with my clients. So, um,
1: it's true stuff. What is the advice you're giving clients who are experiencing that with, you know, former employees who don't want to just have said, I'm not coming back. Uh, you you know, I found, I think a lot of people have found that they've got a, you know, maybe they've got a pretty good lifestyle with, you know, especially with a couple living on one income or something, Yeah, you know, this is, we've got a lot of advantages here. What advice yeah. are you giving employers as they're facing those kind of issues?
0: Well, you know the the whole the the, bu- the HR buzzword of uh, engagement and, and retention. I mean, those buzzwords have been around pre COVID. I mean, they were really hot a few years ago, and they're hotter never. So, um, you know, how what can you do to make sure your best people don't leave? Um, the answer is going to be different for everybody, but there's uh, you really need to be thinking about that. And how do you retain people? Uh, there's a lot of different uh, ways to do that. And it just depends on who your workforce is. Uh, what are the demographics of it? What's your industry? Um, what are the jobs that, you're, uh, that, that are within your organization? So there's a lot of different things to think about there, but retention and, um, and engage, employee engagements. People are really getting disengaged and probably have been disengaged for a while. Um, so those aren't good things. And, um, you know, as far as, as as finding new people to fill roles, I mean, good luck. Good right. luck. It's, it's not easy, like you said.
1: And, and I've said for a long time that money uh, is the, the ticket to entry as an employer, you've got to be able to pay your people fairly, but it's not what keeps somebody on board in your organization or is going to cause them to leave. If they're being, you know, adequately compensated, um, if it's, it's all the other issues they're leaving. When they leave, they're leaving a manager or they're leaving a team uh, or they're, they're leaving for work that they think is more meaningful and fulfilling, but they're, uh, you know, just throwing money at this problem, I don't think is gonna, is gonna give an employer an advantage in, in, in the next few years. Well, that's,
0: I would agree. And, you know, the, the technical term I think for for compensation, you know, if you're a um, organizational psychologist, uh, uh, is I believe the term is, uh, you know, money and compensation. It's a hygiene issue. It's like, if, if you get to a certain level of pay, you know, that's great, but beyond that, it has diminishing returns. Um, so uh, there are other other motivators called satisfiers, I believe is, is the term, mm-hmm. that really, you know, the intrinsic worth of the job, the, uh, the, the, the challenge, the, the professional growth, all that stuff. I mean, really, you got to pay somebody a certain, you know, everybody's got a bottom dollar. And you usually need to go above that if you want to attract and and retain somebody. But but really, if you want to keep them, if you really want to retain them, it's got to be a lot more than just
1: the money. Well, there's a ton more to explore here, and I'm sure we'll dig deeper in future episodes. But that's all the time we have this week. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for Steve at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer and Imperatives Marketing Coordinator, Katie Bautista, keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out to me if I can be of service to you, professionally or personally. I'll see you next week. and Until then, be well and keep your chin up.